From Trinity Episcopal Cathedral, this is Stations of the Cross, an audio Lenten pilgrimage. Led by the Reverend Jennifer Creswell, Chaplain at Legacy Good Samaritan Hospital in Portland. This is the sixth station. A woman wipes the face of Jesus. We adore you, O Christ, and we bless you, because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. St. Veronica, the woman from along the road who took a cloth and wiped Jesus' face as he struggled with the cross, is a figment of tradition. She does not appear in the gospel account of Jesus' journey to Golgotha. I wish she had, or that someone else, like Simon of Cyrene, had stepped off the sidelines with a small offer of comfort or solidarity. I imagine suffering was evident everywhere on that day, not just on the path to the crucifixion, but also in the back lanes and homes where people withstood the -the run-of-the-mill humiliations and griefs that remain familiar to us today. Jesus was not the only one suffering, but he was there, shamed and betrayed, whipped and burdened, and, so her legend goes, a woman saw him. She took pity. She pulled a cloth. From where? And stepped out of the crowd to show compassion. Where are you today? Where do you notice suffering around you? Perhaps it is in your own home, in your own life, Perhaps today it is farther afield. In your neighbor's home? In the empty school? Church? Playing field? If Jesus went with you about your day today, what would he see? What would he notice? What would he feel compelled to address? The tents that line the highways and side streets in Portland? The gorge communities hit hard by the winter storms. The lines at food pantries. The relentless burdens carried by black and brown people in our state. In my call as a chaplain, I walk the season of Lent in the halls of a hospital. It is not hard to identify suffering here. If Jesus walked with me today, he would see patients in pain after joint replacement surgery Families on Zoom and on the phone who wish they could be at the bedside of their loved ones. Patients confused and afraid. Patients intubated and sedated. COVID patients living the reality of this dread disease. He would also see those like Veronica who wipe the brows and listen to the concerns and help palliate the pain of these suffering ones. I think about what it took for Veronica to break the line of witnesses. I imagine a scene like one of Portland's parades, the red line in the street that is not to be crossed, lest a horse or a fire engine land on your foot. The wall of people echoing the line with their bodies. The one who breaks formation to snatch a piece of candy or run to companions on the other side of the street becomes visible as an individual 
They broke the line. In my high school biology class, the teacher put a frog in water and started slowly to heat it. He told the class three times, do not get out of your seats for any reason. As the water heated up, he told us that at a certain temperature, the frog would die. We sat in distress. Finally, a student got out of her seat, went to the front of the room, reached in front of the teacher and turned off the burner. He praised her. He was trying to teach us, in perhaps an unnecessarily graphic way, to break the line, to be led by our compassion. The nurses and CNAs I am so proud to work beside have been leading with compassion for nearly a year and much longer. As fear of COVID has heated up, they have continued to break the line, leaving the safety of their homes to go where the virus is concentrated. They left home when demonstrations rocked our streets. They left home when wildfire smoke choked the air, both outside and inside the hospital. They left home and stayed overnight when snow and ice made the commute impossible. They left home to work because their partners lost jobs. They left home after one of their own, a 50-year-old oncology nurse, was killed on a mudslide the night before she was scheduled to lead the shift. Regardless of the challenges they have faced, they've come to work to alleviate the suffering of others. I am moved daily by their dedication to compassion, not only wiping brows, but rubbing feet, advocating for family, slipping treats from the cafeteria, tenderly offering dignity where it is in short supply. What defines the line for you today? What are you witness to, but not yet part of? When you look, where do you notice pain, grief, insecurity, need? What would Jesus notice if he saw with your eyes? In this pandemic time, it is possible that you won't leave your home today. If so, begin there. Indoors, outdoors, what would Jesus see? In what you read, hear, watch, what would Jesus notice? If Jesus had access to your devices and your connectivity or coverage, how would he use them? This Jesus, so intimate with his own suffering and attuned to it in others, what would your surroundings indicate to him? Jesus both offers and receives acts of compassion. Veronica wiped the face of one who washed his companion's feet, touched people to heal them, fed people. One whose feet were bathed in perfume by a dinner guest, and one who was served and fed by Mary and Martha. May you go about your day today knowing that you are loved and empowered by the God who sees your suffering and who gives you eyes to see and a heart to act on the suffering of others. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, 37 through 40. Then the righteous will answer him, 
Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Rosa Parks by Nikki Giovanni. This is for the Pullman porters who organized when people said they couldn't and carried the Pittsburgh Courier and the Chicago Defender to black Americans in the South so they would know they were not alone. This is for the Pullman porters who helped Thurgood Marshall go South and come back North to fight the fight that resulted in Brown versus Board of Education because even though Kansas is West, and even though Topeka is the birthplace of Gwendolyn Brooks, who wrote the powerful The Chicago Defender Sends a Man to Little Rock, it was the Pullman porters who whispered to the traveling men, both the blues men and the race men, so that they both would know what was going on. This is for the Pullman porters who smiled as if they were happy and laughed like they were tickled when some folks were around and who silently rejoiced in 1954 when the Supreme Court announced its 9-0 decision that separate is inherently unequal. This is for the Pullman porters who smiled and welcomed a 14-year-old boy onto their train in 1955. They noticed his slight limp that he tried to disguise with a doo-wop walk. They noticed his stutter and probably understood why his mother wanted him out of Chicago during the summer when school was out. 14-year-old black boys with limps and stutters are apt to try to prove themselves in dangerous ways when mothers aren't around to look after them. So this is for the Pullman porters who looked over that 14-year-old while the train rolled the reverse of the Blues Highway from Chicago to St. Louis to Memphis to Mississippi. This is for the men who kept him safe. And if Emmett Till had been able to stay on a train all summer, he would have maybe grown a bit of a paunch, certainly lost his hair, probably have worn bifocals and bounced his grandchildren on his knee, telling them about his summer riding the rails. But he had to get off the train and ended up in Money, Mississippi and was horribly, brutally, inexcusably, and unacceptably murdered. This is for the Pullman porters, who, when the sheriff was trying to get the body secretly buried, got Emmett's body on the northbound train got his body home to Chicago, where his mother said, I want the world to see what they did to my boy. And this is for all the mothers who cried. And this is for all the people who said, never again. 
And this is about Rosa Parks, whose feet were not so tired. It had been, after all, an ordinary day, until the bus driver gave her the opportunity to make history. This is about Mrs. Rosa Parks from Tuskegee, Alabama, who was also the field secretary of the NAACP. This is about the moment Rosa Parks shouldered her cross, put her worldly goods aside, was willing to sacrifice her life so that young man in Money, Mississippi, who had been so well protected by the Pullman porters, would not have died in vain. When Mrs. Parks said no, a passionate movement was begun. No longer would there be a reliance on the law. There was a higher law. When Mrs. Parks brought that light of hers to expose the evil of the system, the sun came and rested on her shoulders, bringing the heat and the light of truth. Others would follow Mrs. Parks. Four young men in Greensboro, North Carolina would also say no. Great voices would be raised singing the praises of God and exhorting us to forgive those who trespass against us. But it was the Pullman Porters who safely got Emmett to his granduncle. And it was Mrs. Rosa Parks who could not stand that death. And in not being able to stand it, she sat back down.
Let us pray. O God, who before the passion of your only begotten Son revealed his glory upon the holy mountain, grant to us that we, beholding by faith the light of his countenance, may be strengthened to bear our cross and be changed into his likeness from glory to glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Holy God, holy and mighty, Holy, immortal one, have mercy upon us. Stations of the Cross is a production of Trinity Episcopal Cathedral in collaboration with priests from across the Episcopal Diocese of Oregon and is made possible in part through donations by listeners like you. To learn more, visit trinity-episcopal.org give and stay in touch with us on social media at trinitycathpdx. PDX.